question is this. How do we get two groups of people to come together? Those that are completely disengaged with what I call their personal physical health status and those people who are in love with their physical health status and doing something about it. How do we bring them together so that everybody fits into the second category of falling in love with their physical health, lowering their risk of disease and feeling amazing? We're going to find out in today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hi everybody, we're back here with the fourth installment of this episode. Actually, it's not the fourth installment of the episode. It's the fourth installment of this mini-series, Decipher the Health Code in the Age of Netflix, Uber, Google, and Screens. Which, if you've been following the series along, it's representative of this technological age that we now live in compared to just 20 years ago. As I record this, it's in the early 2020s. But the age of Netflix, the age of Uber, the age of Google, and the age of screens everywhere, 20 years ago, when I was 35 years old, that had not begun. The world has shifted literally more in a technology realm in the past 20 years than I would say in the past 100 years previous to that. So we'll take 1900 to the year 2000. There has been an acceleration. And the question I've been driving at in this mini-series, Decipher the Health Code, is how do we become and stay physically healthy in this new world that we live in? Particularly as children transition into teenagehood and teenagers transition into adulthood. The first decade and the second decade of your adult years go very quickly. And all of us who are past that, we know that that's the case. But there's also the foundation of molecular and physiological changes that begin to accumulate in the first two decades of adulthood that never accumulated in the first two, year, first two decades. First decade is childhood, second decade is teenage years, approximately. There were health changes that did not occur in those first two decades that do occur. So what happens, and this is sort of the great misnomer, the great myth, particularly from an emotional and mental point of view for all of us, is that we think, well, you know, I've been going along really well in my first 10 years of my life, second 10 years of my life, my 20s. What changes in my teenage years? What changes in my 20s? What changes in my 30s? That's the problem of deciphering the health code. But now layered on top of that is this new world that we live in that never existed 20 years ago from the time that I'm recording this. And that's why I've entitled this series Decipher the Health Code in the Age of Netflix, Uber, Google and Screens, representative of the technology age. Where we left the last episode, I introduced you to the second collaborator out of three collaborators. Health and physical education experts from around the world are the first of our collaborators. The second of our collaborators are the people who are inventing new technology and you met in the last episode, you met Dr. Andrew Rickman, the person that I call, my label, not his, the Thomas Edison of health technology in the 2020s and the things that he are doing. Now, I didn't give that last episode, a big chunk of it was from another mini-series we created called the Thomas Edison of, the health, tech, of health technology in the 2020s. 
So, I'm not giving you all of those episodes. I've only given you the first one in this mini-series, Decipher the Health Code. What we're moving on to now, which I'm really excited about, you're going to get about 20 minutes of two separate professors. One I actually interviewed from Norway, a genius of a human being, and another one who I've long admired, and it's a section of a presentation that he did that's related to molecular and physiological changes that happen as a direct consequence of something, you may never have heard this term before, the correct dose of physical activity. Go into that more a little bit later on. If you want to know all about it, inside the PE Teachers Health Lab, Health Coaching Lab, I've got a whole series of uh, a part of a course about the correct dose of physical activity. But it's a term you're going to hear in this episode and more in the next episode of Decipher the Health Code. Because we haven't finished Decipher the Health Code after this episode. There's more to come. Some really good stuff. But remember, what we're doing here is we're talking about three collaborators that actually don't know each other and don't know that they're collaborating. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like, well, how do they collaborate? It's ridiculous, in fact. How do I, how do I put out the supposition, if you like, that they're collaborating when they've never met and they don't even know that they're collaborating? Here's what I mean. And the whole point of these three collaborators, and you're going to meet the third ones today, two of the over 100 professors I've interviewed from around the world in multiple disciplines of medicine, multiple, multiple disciplines of health sciences, and I've put together over the past decade of my career. So I've taught 34,000 lessons, and it's continuing to go up in health and physical education, and I've interviewed over 100 PhDs, and I've turned their complex medical research into 18 critical diagrams and 18 critical learning skills. That's the PE Teachers Health Lab. So before we continue to go, the collaborators are coming together because the work that they are doing individually, not knowing each other, needs to come together. So I'm pulling them together. Because I've been involved in education, I've loved health technology, and I've got the chance to interview someone like Dr. Rickman, the chairman, CEO, and founder of Rockley Photonics, a billion dollar, that's it, a B, billion dollar health technology company that according to public knowledge, public information, their biggest customer is Apple from Apple computers, Apple mobile phones, and Apple watches, a clinic on your wrist. You've got to go back and listen to the last episode. So I've got the opportunity to interview that person, but I've also been spending the time just drawing out, spending a decade of my life drawing together professors and going, that research is phenomenal. People need to understand that. I've got to convert that into simple diagrams to understand. That research is unbelievable. The professors in Duke University that I've talk, spoken to in North Carolina, professors over in, uh, in Michigan, professors in, across, uh, Nor uh, Professor Wisloff, who you're going to meet today from Norway, Pro uh, over here in Australia, Professor Telford, one of the greatest researchers in childhood physical activity research, who you won't hear in today's episode, but prior to that, had a 25-year career as the head of exercise physiology at the Australian Olympic Centre, known as the Australian Institute of Sport, has helped coach, he told me this himself, 81 Olympic gold medalists. There are people from all, um, Dr. Norman Lazarus from England, a PhD in medicine and a PhD in molecular biology, all about the aging process. I, put, I did some work with him. 
all over the world, these people I've pulled together. And I've pulled together these three collaborators because I know the work that educators are doing. I know the work that health technology specialists are doing. And I know the work that medical research professors are doing. And it's more than just medicine, by the way. It's a whole slew, a whole slate of different disciplines in the area of medical research and health sciences. Well, I won't go into the list of, there's a long list that I've interviewed of different disciplines. But those are the three collaborators that, that have to come together. And I wanna draw the health technology and draw the, med, the, the research scientists, the PhDs, towards the educators. And that's what this series is about. So that educators can start to pick this up and go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize all this was available. I had no idea. I've never seen this anywhere else in the world. And that's what I'm excited about when it comes to deciphering the health code, how to be physically healthy in this new era that we live in. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna transition right now to about 20 minutes. You're gonna hear me, it's from another episode I've recorded a while back now. You're gonna hear a little bit more of me introducing Professor Stephen N. Blair. I won't say any more than about who he is, because in this 20-minute excerpt, when we hit the transition bell, I do it anyway. Then, Professor Ulrich Wisloff, PhD in cardiology and exercise physiology. Professor Blair, PhD from uh, South Carolina in the United States of America, and Professor Wisloff from Norway. Trottenham, I think it is. I think that's where he is. Um, at the University of Technology and Science, Norwegian University of Technology and Science. Leads the team. Professor Wisloff of 55 research staff. Amazing man. Incredible guy. Um, so more about that in a minute. So let me do this. Let's hit the transition bell. Let's hear from two of these collaborators. And I'll come back at the end and wrap up this episode and make comment about what we're going to lead into in the next episode. All right, here we go. Transition bell now. Because I'm bringing to you in this episode two doctors in their own words, speaking about some of their medical research. Okay, so here are the four doctors. Remember from yesterday's episode, we're looking at in this paper, there's nine all up, but we're going to look at Dr. Patrick Dunn, Dr. Ross Arena, Dr. Ulrich Wisloff, who was the world leader in creating the clinically validated health software, and Dr. Stephen N. Blair. Now, Dr. Stephen N. Blair was really the second person who picked up, second professor and teams of people behind him, not just him by himself, but people in the lab, who, what he did was this. He published a seminal piece of medical research in 2009 called The Biggest Public Health Problem of the 21st Century, and it forms the core principle of the new science of physical health. Prior to Professor... Now, that, by the way, before I talk about prior to... Professor Blair's piece of research published that you can go and look up called The Biggest Public Health Problem of the 21st Century, that particular paper took 30 years of research to actually create and 53,000 people. And you're going to hear in a minute a speech that he gave at a university in 2013 where he talks a little bit about that, that research paper. So it was really the culmination of his life's work, looking and examining what is it that is the con biggest contributor to the biggest burden of disease in the world, cardiovascular disease. So we're going to look at, listen to Professor Blair. So 
After that, I'm going to come back and then you, I'm going to introduce to you my interview, a snippet, two minutes of, of it, of my interview with Professor Ulrich Wisloff. So we'll do that in a minute, but we're going to go and transition now to Professor Stephen Blair actually giving a lecture talking about this paper called The Biggest Public Health Problem of the 21st Century. Now, once you've heard that, I'm going to, we're going to build on his work because Professor Wisloff is currently like leads a team of 55 researchers at the um, University of Science and Technology in Norway. And he has followed on from Professor Blair's work and extended and expanded it and, and added on to it. So it's really Professor Wisloff is the next generation, if you like. So it's really good to have these two guys together. And then in tomorrow's episode, we'll look at some of the credibility of Dr. Patrick Dunn and Dr. Ross Arena. So we'll look at four out of the nine scientists who contributed to this particular research. What was the research about? Proving whether or not, remember from yesterday's episode, proving whether or not the impact score of a 100 or more inside our clinically validated health software, which converts heart rate into the impact score, courtesy of Professor Wisloff, whether or not that has an impact on death rates from all-cause mortality and from cardiovascular disease. Does the software actually help reduce your risk of it? So let's get, that's what we're looking at, the 100 points. Does it actually work? Let's do this. Let's go into now the lecture from Professor Blair, a short snippet about maybe five or six minutes of it. Really good topic, really good stuff. It'll end at a certain point because I didn't want to keep going on and on in this episode because I want to get to Professor Blair. All right, let's come now and listen to one of the first times you've probably ever heard one of the greatest research scientists in the world and his contribution in one of the most seminal research studies ever done in what I call the new science of physical health. Over to Professor Blair. My name is Joan Eckerson, and I am a faculty member in the Department of Exercise Science and a longtime champion of the wellness program here at Creighton. And as part of the kickoff for year two of the Transforming Together wellness campaign, it is my great pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dr. Stephen Blair. Dr. Blair is currently a professor in the Departments of Exercise Science and Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the Arnold School of Public Health at the University of South Carolina. Prior to that, he served as the Director of Research at the Cooper Institute in Dallas, Texas, and was responsible for the Aerobic Center Longitudinal Study, which was funded by the National Institute on Aging for over 20 years. Dr. Blair is a past president of the American College of Sports Medicine, National Coalition for Promoting Physical Activity, and the American Kinesiology Academy. He's received numerous awards from many professional organizations, including a Merit Award from the National Institutes of Health, the American College of Sports and Medicine Honor Award, a Population Science Award from the American Heart Association, and is one of only a few individuals outside the U.S. Public Health Service to be awarded the Surgeon General's Medallion. He's internationally renowned for his research, which focuses upon the associations between lifestyle and health, with a specific emphasis on exercise, physical fitness, body composition, and chronic disease, and has published over 600 
papers and chapters in the scientific literature. His most highly like, seminal work, uh, which was on physical fitness and all-cause mortality, has been cited in over 17, has been cited over 17,000 times. His topic today is physical inactivity, the biggest public health problem of the 21st century. Please help me give an enthusiastic welcome to Dr. Stephen Blair. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Ackerson, and thank you all for coming out uh, this afternoon. I'd like to say it's a pleasure to, to come here to Nebraska, but then I have to catch myself a little bit because I grew up in that really great state down there, Kansas. <laughs> and I did live about 12 miles from the Nebraska border, halfway across the state. There wasn't much I liked about you people, I'm sorry, <laughs> except... Looking back, when I was in high school and college, Kansas had really strict laws on alcohol consumption. And the only thing they had was that 3.2 beer. So, my God, let me get over to Superior, Nebraska and get something real. But, uh, no, it uh, certainly is a pleasure to come here and talk to you today about my uh, passions. And in the interest of uh, transparency, here are my disclosures. I intend to address uh, the three topics uh, listed on this slide this afternoon over about the next, uh, I think it's, what, four or five hours we have. And uh, spend, <clears throat> so if I spend maybe an hour and a half on each one, it'll be okay. Uh, it's uh, no surprise to anyone in this room that non-communicable diseases are really the leading health challenge uh, around the world. It caused a huge number of deaths. And you, you know what, uh, well, it's listed here on the slide. and. You can't all read. I, I take that. So I do have a pop quiz for you this morning, or this afternoon, afternoon. And you have to vote on at least one of these. If you don't vote at all, you get an F. If you vote more than once, you get an F. And, of course, if you vote for the wrong one, you get an F. So get ready. I mean, this is a challenge here. So which of these things causes more deaths around the world and any other item on the list. So how many say tobacco use? How many say obesity? You people are just sucking up to me. You're trying to be nice. <laughs> you saw the title, okay. How many say high blood pressure? Yeah, a few. How many say physical inactivity? Oh my God, I've never had a response like that. High blood glucose, etc. Well, uh, you can probably, I mean, I know it's a special audience for very bright and, of course, well-read and all of that. But uh, typically when I ask this, uh, the answer I get is obesity, obesity, obesity. The worst thing that ever happened uh, to humankind. So um, occasionally I do a Google search, and here's one from a couple of days ago. Type in physical activity. Oh, look at that. Yeah, more than two million hits. Isn't that something? Eating too much. This is what we are bombarded with out there in the, in the public uh, literature, TV, radio, uh, print, etc. Uh, look at that, obesity, diet and obesity, inactivity and obesity, there are a few, yeah. Uh, we uh, put uh, some comments like this in an article we submitted uh, called Action for Physicians to uh, Pay More Attention to Physical Activity, submitted to a medical journal. And uh, some wise guy reviewer said, uh, maybe it's a wise gal, I don't know, it might, might have been a gal, uh, said, well, that's just Google. Who, well, no, that's nonsense. It's that stuff that's out there. What about PubMed? So we searched PubMed 
And it was even worse in terms of the overemphasis on obesity and low emphasis on physical activity. Uh, those of us in the exercise business, exercise science business, and there are uh, certainly some of you here, I know, uh, I hope you're familiar with this, but we were really pleased that last summer, the week before the Olympics, The Lancet, one of the world's leading medical journals, devoted an entire issue to physical activity. And for those of you, well, all of you, you need to be familiar with this. And certainly if you're an exercise science, uh, you need to read it very carefully. One of the papers there led by Dr. Aimin Lee was to focus on what is the burden of physical inactivity around the world. So we dug up databases uh, from I forget how many countries all over the world, uh, spent a lot of time doing analyses. We were conservative at every step of the way. We didn't want to be con con accused of overestimating or overreacting. So uh, here are the key findings uh, in that report. You say, well, you know, six to 10 percent, that sounds like quite a lot of, of uh, non-communicable disease and 5.3 million deaths. Uh, but then, of course, you also know there are, what, 7 billion people in the world? What's 5.3 out of 7 billion? Sounds kind of trivial, doesn't it? But the bullet that she came up with that puts some of this in perspective, that's more than smoking. I, even I was a little surprised by that. So... Again, the title of the lecture, Physical Inactivity, the Biggest Public Health Problem. I do, in fact, believe that. Uh, here's some summary evidence of that. But now I'll go to actually some additional evidence from this large uh, study I've been working on for, uh, gosh, 30 years or more. Uh, many of you probably know about this, but these uh, individuals receive a very thorough medical examination. It takes three, four, five hours uh, to complete. Each doctor in this clinic sees three patients a day to give you some idea of just how intense the breadth and the depth of the exam. And uh, so it's not just questionnaire data, like a lot of data from epidemiology on activity and certainly on diet and, and so forth. Lots of lab data, uh, body composition in the lab, not just height and weight, cardiorespiratory fitness, et cetera. And that's from a maximal exercise test on a treadmill. So here's the first paper we published on fitness and cardiorespiratory fitness and all-cause death rates. It's, gosh, it's getting up toward 25 years now. But for both men and women, at that time we had 13,000 in the study, get out of that low-fit group and it cuts your death rate in half or more than half. Huge difference. Get out here in the high-fit little further reduction. So a question that should be occurring to you is, God, how do we get, get from here to there? What do I have to do? All right, there's some powerful stuff there from Professor Blair. So now what I want to do is introduce you to Professor Ulrich Wisloff, whose bio I read out yesterday. By the way, I forgot to read out the bio of Professor Blair before that audio came on, but they did it at the, the host of that particular lecture did that for me anyway, which I thought was fantastic. Now, the two minutes worth that I'm going to introduce you to now of a snippet of my conversation with Dr. or Professor Ulrich Wisloff, he's a PhD in exercise physiology and cardiology. His expertise is looking at molecular changes, we call those health adaptations, as a result of the correct dose of physical activity. You're going to hear... Professor Wisloff, in his own words, talk about how we've been wondering for the past 20 years 
how we can come up with an impact score that converts your heart rate into an impact score, which will mean a specific set of health adaptations that leads to a specific and quantifiable decrease in your risk of a cardiovascular event. That's what we're talking about. So across to two minutes of Professor Wisloff, then I'll come back and wrap up this episode by making comment about what he spoke to me about in our private conversation when he was in Norway and I was here in Sydney, Australia. All right, across to Professor Wisloff, and I'll be back to make comment and wrap up this episode of Meeting the Scientists behind the clinically validated health software. What I have been wondering about the last uh, 20 years was how can we quantify physical activity in, a, in an understandable way because yeah. the health authorities, we ha- I just had this discussion with the health authorities in Norway. You have to do ex- vigorous exercise, 150 minutes per week, but what is vigorous? Yes. Nobody understands that. No, they don't. And, uh, yeah, and... Um, and so on. So a long story short was that um, everyone agrees that heart rate uh, reflects your body and your kid's body's response to any physical activity. Yeah. And then I thought, can we make something meaningful out of uh, heart rate that is related to health outcome? Because heart rate is also meaningless if you can't relate it to something. It, totally. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, what, so we had this... Um, I had this idea, and we tested 5,000 people on a treadmill uh, in a, in a oh, health survey. 5,000. So that's, it's a crazy job. We used uh, one and a half year to do, to do this, and they were aged uh, 20 to actually 13 to 90 years. Uh, and uh, we were able to make this, uh, or we were studying the heart rate pattern over a week, and we tried to, can we link that to a, health score or a health uh, stages and we, we were able to do that so, so we, we observed that those that had a certain uh, heart rate pattern they had good cardiovascular health and those that did not or had a different uh, uh, heart rate pattern over a week they had poor um, uh, cardiovascular health and then we graded this into a score from zero to 100 and above yeah. and we saw that uh, so that was the pie points uh, Okay, so there's Professor Ulrich Wisloff, one of the, literally, one of the great geniuses of being able to convert exercise science into health adaptations and now has built this clinically validated health software. How amazing, by the way. I read this in, a, uh, in his bio, and I think I alluded to this yesterday, that um, in yesterday's episode, he received an award from the King of Norway for his services in the field of converting medical research into practical impact to lower the risk of a public health emergency, which is cardiovascular disease around the world. So here's the point I want to make about what Professor Wisloff said to me in that short little snippet, the comment that I want to make. What so many people have this false belief of, when I say false, they don't never delved into the science of what happens inside your human, inside your body or anybody's, the human body as a result of tracking certain things in physical activity. So you can track things with smartwatches today, things like steps, distance covered, speed covered, 
the amount of calories burned, how many exercise sessions you had per week, how much you've grown in your, the, the time you've spent exercising this week versus last week, a whole bunch of things. But what Professor Wisloff has said was, using the world's largest heart study or, and heart rate data from that study called the Hunt Study in Norway, they were able to work out that if you got your heart rate to a certain percentage level of your maximum. So I'll just use the formula quickly. This is a one of the formulas. It's not the, the only formula. And there's probably three different varieties that exercise scientists use. I'll use the simplest one. Take the number 220 minus whatever your age is. So for me, 220 minus 55 years of age, I'm left with 165 beats per minute. If I was going flat out on a push bike or running or skipping, whatever, flat to the boards, the maximum my heart rate could get to using that formula is 165 beats per minute. So here's the question. What is, if I was being physically active, what is 80% of that number? You can work it out for you, whatever your age is. What's 80% of that number? And now, if I want to, what Professor Wisloff and his team worked out was, you could accumulate a certain amount of impact points based on your heart rate number, which is based on the percentage of your maximum. And if you had a low heart rate number, it takes you longer to accumulate impact points. If you have a moderate um, heart rate level, heart rate intensity, we'll call it, then it takes you less, less time to accumulate impact points. If you have a high, let's say 80% and above, so for me, I think my number is 141 beats per minute, I'm working quite hard doing some, any type of physical activity, then I'll accumulate, like today, for example, in 10 minutes, I accumulated 11 impact points in the health software. That's really efficient. But you don't have to do it that that efficiently. You can do it over a longer period. The goal is to get to be on a rolling seven days where you are at 100 points. And Professor Wisloff invented this system. But the brilliance behind this um, Professor Wisloff and the work that he built on from Professor Blair and his team of 30 years is Professor Wisloff has now taken an actionable heart rate data and converted it for us into a clinically validated health software. Not just this research paper, but there's tons and tons of them. And I think now he told me that they validated their work, this will blow you away, on over 730,000 people. All right, there's the transition bell again. We're gonna finish up today's episode of Decipher the Health Coach in this mini-series and leave it right there. Here's what we're leading into in episode number, the next episode, episode number five. I want to examine some real world application of these three collaborators. So what I've said to you so far in Cypher the Health Code is weirdly enough, these three collaborators don't even know each other. So I'm going to take the work of Professor Wisloff and go a little bit deeper on it in the next episode of Decipher the Health Code and give you some more specifics about the clinically validated health software, this technology that's been invented. But then, how can we make two things I'm going to do with it? How can 
the technology. This is the three things we're going to do in the next episode. How can the technology that Dr. Rickman from the previous episode, in episode number three of Decipher the Health Code, how can that be used in conjunction with the technology already invented from Professor Wisloff? Which, what's the best way to describe this? I think I did this in a previous episode, you may never have heard. I would describe the technology that Professor Wisloff has invented like this. Regardless of what gets invented, in the next 50 years, so between the year 2020 and the year 2070. Regardless of what gets invented in the next 50 years, it's my educational background, my 34,000 lessons that I've taught in health and physical education, uh, all of those professors I've interviewed, all the medical research I've read and deciphered and flipped into lessons inside the PE Teachers Health Lab, which is now available, then all of that work combined, my experience, I don't think there will be a more significant hinge point in human history as far as the technology is concerned as what the work of Professor Wisloff does. I just, I don't think there ever will be. And I base that on molecular and physiological changes and that occur which are really health, positive health adaptations as a result of using that clinically validated health software and the health impact score, which we touched on today. There won't be anything along that makes it, comes along that makes it more relevant. However, the work that Dr. Rickman is doing will make it more relevant. But I'll tell you why in the next episode, how those two people that have never met, Dr. Rickman, Silicon Photonics, billion dollar company, and... Dr. Wisloff and Professor Wisloff and his team and all the team with the health software there and how those two will actually combine without ever having to meet to be collaborators with educators like our first person we met in episode number one or two, the, our, our educator, our, our expert educator from Minnesota in the USA who's representative of a huge organization across the United States of America and representative of even more people across the world, many of which listen to this show and this mini-series now listened to in 74 countries at time of recording. And I checked the other day, 847 cities. So it's going really well. All right, with that, we're going to finish off today's episode leading into the next one of how the work of a clinic on your wrist from Dr. Rickman, this incredible technology that's never been invented before, is now about ready to be released, and I would guess probably next year from the recording from this recording, combining with the work of Professor Wisloff and his team. And how does that all tie into the educators around the world that are bringing along the next generation of people that are transitioning into adulthood as we speak? My son just left elementary or primary school here in Australia. We call it primary school. Overseas, you might call it elementary school. My son just finished it a week ago, and he's about to head into high school. Another six years after that, he's an adult. What happens between the ages of 18 and 28? What does he know? What does he need to know to decipher the health code and his whole generation? What do they need to know to decipher the health code in the age that they live in. They literally live in. 
the age of Netflix, Uber, Google, and screens. That's his world. I love that world, by the way. It's unusual for someone my age, but I love it. And I think there's so much more that we can do. Thanks for joining us at today's episode of Decipher the Health Code, here number four. I can't wait to deliver number five. I get, I get really excited about researching what's coming next. You can probably tell that. I think it is phenomenal what's available and what's coming out into the world. But we've really got to get these people collaborating. They're there. They're like they're in separate silos. Bringing them together, that's what we do because we want to build the bridge between all the people that love their physical health status right now and doing something about it, which is actually a small sliver of the community that you live in. No matter where you are, out of the entire planet. It's a small section, small slither. The biggest portion of people, they don't do anything about their personal physical health status. They don't have the correct dose of physical activity. They have no idea of positive molecular and physiological health adaptations, which I've converted into to three main diagrams inside the PE Teacher's Health Lab. Anyway, enough about that, everybody. I am really excited about episode number five in this mini-series of Decipher the Health Code because we're going to start to draw these people together. And that is really one of the most significant things that we can do. Wherever you're up to in your day, wherever you are on this planet, I hope that you're doing something about your personal physical health status and driving down your risk of the number one and number two leading causes of sickness, disease, and premature death, cardiovascular events and cancer events. Because once we tackle those, the spillover into other physical health problems and reducing your risk of other ones, magnificent. Once you tackle the first two. And that's what we do here at the New Science of Physical Health. Signing off, everybody. Have a great day or a great tomorrow. Bye for now.